Welcome to the World Beyond the Tale, the Page Day American Gods podcast. I'm your host, James, and today we're reading page 53. Shadow could have been in his bed at home, he thought, in the apartment that he had shared with Laura, in the bed that he had shared with Laura. But the thought of being there without her, surrounded by her things, her scent, her life, was simply too painful. Don't go there, thought Shadow. He decided to think about something else. He thought about coin tricks. Shadow knew that he did not have the personality to be a magician. He could not weave the stories that were so necessary for belief, nor did he wish to do card tricks or produce paper flowers. But he liked to manipulate coins. He enjoyed the craft of it. He started to list the coin vanishes he had mastered, which reminded him of the coin he had tossed into Laura's grave, and then in his head, Audrey was telling him that Laura had died with Robbie's cock in her mouth, and once again he felt a small hurt in his chest, in his heart. Every hour wounds. The last one kills. Where had he heard that? He could no longer remember. He could feel, somewhere deep inside him, anger and pain building, a knot of tension at the base of his skull, a tightness at the temples. He breathed in through his nose, out through his mouth, forcing himself to let the tension go. He thought of Wednesday's comment and smiled despite himself. Shadow had heard too many people telling each other not to repress their feelings, to let their emotions out, let the pain go. Shadow thought there was a lot to be said for bottling up emotions. If you did it long enough and deep enough, he suspected, pretty soon you wouldn't feel anything at all. Sleep took him then, without Shadow noticing. He was walking. He was walking through a room bigger than a city, and everywhere he looked there were statues and carvings and rough-hewn images. He was standing beside a statue of a woman-like thing. Her naked breasts hung flat and pendulous on her chest. Around her waist was a chain of severed hands. Both of her own hands held sharp knives, and instead of a head, rising from her neck there were twin serpents, their bodies arched, facing each other, ready to attack. There was something profoundly disturbing about the statue, a deep and violent wrongness. Shadow backed away from it. He began to walk through the hall. Carved eyes of those statues that had eyes seemed to follow his every step. And that's our page. This page is pretty rough, at least for most of it. Shadow is alone, and things are slowing down and quieting down enough that he can get some thinking done. And he doesn't want to be thinking, especially because his thoughts keep bringing him back to Laura both the life they shared and also her death. So Shadow's feelings are familiar, but kind of in a future way for me. Um, I know whenever my wife would go out of town, I'd enjoy the bachelor solitude for about a day, maybe two if there was a new book or a video game to occupy me, but I'd find myself kind of going crazy and bouncing off the walls without her or our child's company. I remember telling her once that if she passed away before me, I wouldn't spend a lot of time before I packed her stuff up and got rid of it, and that didn't really hit right, and I remember trying to explain exactly why, and I couldn't exactly come up with something. I just, it's kind of it's kind of the feeling I get when she's out of town, but I imagine it would be magnified, so if I couldn't go a week or two without her, what would the rest of my life be like? But that's not on the page. Shadow thinks these sorts of things as well, though, certainly. Or at least similar things. What is on the page is Shadow thinking about the coin tricks, but he talks about p- performing magic in general. What separates him from a stage magician supposedly is his lack of personality necessary to convince the audience behind 
beyond a technical ability. But he specifically says crafting a story to make it more believable. And this book is full of storytellers who are various levels of believability. Wednesday is a con man, and each con he pulls is a small story with its own unique vision and character and ability to think on the fly. We'll meet Mr. Nancy, and he's an expert storyteller. So is Hinzelman when we meet him down the line. There's a lot of other characters who are good storytellers in only one story, which is their own story. But this is this is a big theme, both of the book and for Neil's oeuvre overall. One of Morpheus's nicknames in Sandman is the Prince of Stories, and the book itself is composed of a number of stories. So that's dumb. Of course a book is composed of a number of stories. But it's composed of a number of stories in a way that not a lot of books who have a central main character are. It's almost done in the manner of novels from short stories like Winesburg, Ohio, uh, The Women of Brewster Place, things like that, where you get the main character or characters and you have a bunch of stories supporting them and surrounding them. I'm going off again on a tangent, aren't I? Anyway, storytelling is is a thing that pops up a lot within the novel. And to wrap it all up nicely, stories are lies and Wednesday is the consummate liar in our novel. So, Watch out for stories, watch out for lies, and watch out for Wednesday. After he thinks about coin tricks, Shadow remembers Sweeney's coin, then he remembers Laura's grave, remembers how she died, and the feelings start up again, and he recalls Wednesday's chat about how people need to bottle up their feelings more. And Shadow then thinks that if you bottle up your feelings long enough, you won't feel anything at all, which is so, so wrong, Shadow. Please don't do it, Shadow. Let it go. Let it out. He does breathe well, though. Through the nose, out through the mouth. In through the nose, out through the mouth. That can help. So, Shadow then is dreaming. And we get the beginning of one of my most favorite passages in the book. Where he walks through some kind of museum or underground... I don't want to say lair, but some kind of underground storage for old and forgotten gods. I know the feeling that he has where you're awake and then suddenly you're asleep and dreaming is pretty familiar to me. I assume it's familiar to people overall. Maybe not. Maybe some people actually fall asleep naturally and not after hours of lying awake in bed. Hmm. How nice that might be. It's always jarring, though, when you do fall asleep and then realize that you're dreaming or maybe half awake and half dreaming. I don't have dreams like Shadow does, though. The first statue that Shadow comes across is probably... uh, Well, let me look at my pronunciation. It's an Aztec goddess named Kotlikwe, C-O-A-T-L-I-C-U-E. She was the mother of just about everything, Um, the gods, the sun, the moon, the stars. In a lot of ways, she seems to represent the earth itself, which gives birth to all manner of things and then consumes them in their death. Her breasts are described in Shadow's dream as sagging and flaccid. 
Her breasts are described as they are in Shadow's dream, sagging and flaccid, most likely due to nurturing and feeding the world. There's a lot of information out there about gods and goddesses on the internet, so sometimes it's a little hard to sort through, but there's not a lot of other snake-headed goddesses that would match Kotlaque's uh, description, and it's not exactly how it is in the novel, and there's actually even a statue featured uh, at the National Museum of Anthropology and History in Mexico City, and she didn't have uh, knives in that statue, nor did she have a belt of severed heads. But there is a depiction of her, that same statue actually, that has a necklace with a skull on it. Severed heads as a uh, as a belt is more of a Cali thing in... Uh, we can talk about that more, I think, a little bit on. This is definitely the beginning of the section where we're going to be dealing with forgotten gods, and that crops up from time to time in the book. We don't meet a lot of the forgotten gods, at least directly, but we do meet a few of them as we go, so we can we can talk about it more as we go, and we can definitely talk about it more tomorrow. Yeah, we can talk about it more on tomorrow's episode because we're going to be dealing with a few more Forgotten Gods there. You can get in touch with us at theworldbeyondthetale at gmail.com or on Twitter at worldbeyondpod. Thank you to Julian Granganage for his version of St. James Infirmary Blues that we used as our theme song. And thank you for listening. I'll be back tomorrow for another page. And remember, only the gods are real.